morning, you can be seated. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 10, and Happy New Year. Um, I'm normally the one that's going to ask you, did you go to sleep before midnight, or did you stay up till the new year? And like Jeff said, I think we all stayed up till midnight, even if you went to bed at 10 because of all the fireworks going on last night. Uh, but it is good to see you, uh, and just thank you to Pastor Jarrett for the opportunity uh, to open God's Word with you this morning. Um, just continue, please, praying for uh, the trip that is in Israel right now. I'm excited to hear uh, about all that's happened over there when they get back. They should be returning later um, this week. And so I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, um, today our goal is to look more like Jesus when we leave than when we came in. Um, and so as we look through God's word, um, that's what we want to hold up. Um, that's what we need to uh, change our lives to look like. And so that's going to be our focus um, this morning. If we haven't had uh, the privilege of meeting yet, uh, my name is Emery Cawthon, and I get to serve as our young adult pastor here. Um, and so I get to work, like what Jeff said, uh, with college students, young singles, um, and young families. And so that is a great honor because um, I am in that category as well. And so my wife and I are extremely invested uh, because we care about this church and this community and reaching young adults with the gospel. And so uh, my wife's name is Macy. We've been married for just over three years, and we have an eight-month-old daughter named Parker Ann, um, who I think is somewhere in here. Hopefully you don't hear her at any point. Um, and this was our Christmas card, so now you're all on our mailing list, so um, soak it in. Uh, but I grew up uh, just down the road in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, grew up there, went to high school there. There's always like one yay, and it's like we're probably cousins or something like that. Um, but grew up in Beaumont, um, and then went to the Dallas area to attend Dallas Baptist University that I love so much that I'm actually still in school there. Um, and I've just loved every bit of that. But one big difference that I've noticed between Dallas and Houston is that when you go to Dallas and you tell people you're from Beaumont, people go, oh yeah, that's kind of the Houston area, right? And for conversation's sake, you just say yes and you move along. But when you get to Houston, you don't tell anybody that Beaumont is part of Houston because they are not the same. And so anyway, I'm from Beaumont, but I'm glad to be living in the great city of Houston. Um, and so as we start today, we got to start uh, with what everybody's probably thinking about, and that is New Year's resolutions. Um, if you haven't come up with one, your spouse or your friends have probably asked you, what are you going to do? What's going to change in your life? And it's always a little bit passive aggressive, it feels like. Um, but it's a good motivator. It's a good time of the year to start thinking about it. Uh, a lot of the time, it revolves around working out. Um, the gym is going to be packed for the next month, maybe six weeks, depending on how people feel this year. And then after that, it'll probably go away. But the resolutions always blow me away. Um, they're really outlandish sometimes. Some people set normal goals, which are good, but some people just start the year off really strong, maybe too strong. There are things like, I'm not going to eat a carb for the entire year. Okay, good luck with that. Um, might be I'm going to read a book every day, and they haven't read a book since they graduated high school. And so there's these lofty goals, but the common denominator between all these things is that they're largely based on our own willpower and ability. Just what we have the strength to do on our own. Even some of our goals um, for our faith can be misplaced if they're dependent on our own actions, our own ability. Like how many times can you attend church instead of how can you grow closer to look like Jesus? And so if we really want to see an impact made with 2023, we have to focus on our heart, not 
our ability. And so one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Mark chapter 10. And if you have your Bible, we're going to pick up in verse 17. And so to give you some context of what's going on here, this is the passage uh, that most people call the rich young ruler. And so this is in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We'll be reading out of Mark today. Uh, But by reading all three of these, we can put together that this young man that encounters Jesus um, is very rich. He has a lot of power, authority, um, and he is a young man. So he's not an older guy that's kind of accumulated this over the course of his life. He's a young guy that has a lot of ability, power, and status. And so you have an idea of where this is um, in the grand scope of Scripture. Um, In chapter 9, we see Jesus' transfiguration. In chapter 10 uh, and 11, we see the triumphal entry of Jesus where people lay down the palm leaves and he comes into the city um, on a donkey. And so we'll pick up in verse 17 if you'll read with me. Verse 17 says, and as he was waiting, as he was setting out on his journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And then he said to him, teacher, All these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And then verse 22 says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And so what we see in this passage is huge. Because even though this happened about 2,000 years ago, uh, we can place ourselves in this story. This is very easy to identify with. You see a man searching for something. A man who on the outside seemed like he had everything early in life. He wasn't uh, looking for more money or more status. He was looking for an answer about eternal life. We can see that Jesus loved the man, but he loved the man enough to tell him the truth that he didn't possibly want to hear. And we see this man loves his possessions so much. He loves the world so much. And he loves it more than he loves Jesus. There's a a very important context in this. This ruler was likely Jewish. Uh, He grew up with a great understanding of the law, the do's and the don'ts, the things that you're supposed to get right. And as we start the new year, a lot of us are thinking about that. What do I need to do right? And what do I need to cut out that's wrong? And so on paper, he had everything figured out. He looked great. He held power, he was possibly even royalty, and he had a heart to look righteous. And as a young man, he had this knowledge of the law that fueled that. And a modern day comparison is probably that person that you think of that has everything that looks good on the outside, that um, looks very moral, that probably has a lot of status, and just kind of looks cookie cutter perfect. But the focus that he has is strictly on performance and action. And where all this breaks down is when Jesus asks him, what is good? You call me good teacher. And he says that only God alone is good. And so in that statement, you see two things. You see that Jesus is showing him that he is God, that he's not just a good man, that he's not just a good teacher, that he's not just a rabbi, but that he is God in the flesh. But then additionally, he's also showing him that the rich young ruler is not good because he knows that he's not God. And so this young man walks away because his heart valued now and the possessions that he had more 
than eternity. He had a great resume, but his heart loved the world. And so this morning as we start to unpack this scripture, I want to give you uh, three points of application that you can take into your day, into your week, and into this year that will help set our hearts to look more like Jesus and our actions will follow. And I want you to know first and foremost is that your heart is only capable of serving one thing. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so this young man walked away sorrowful because he had great status, great money, great wealth. And so the first point that I want you uh, to write down today if you're taking notes is simply this, look for righteousness. I had a seminary professor um, that told me, Emory, a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. And so if you have an iPhone or a notebook or whatever, write this down because you'll remember it if you write it down in a week or so, uh, but, but it might be in one ear and out the other if you don't. And so look for righteousness. We see in this context that this man, this ruler, was looking to himself for his own righteousness. He wasn't looking to Jesus. He really wanted Jesus to affirm what he was already thinking and doing. And we can learn from this young man, even though he did a lot of things wrong, we can learn how we should approach Jesus. If you look at the beginning of the passage, it says that the young man ran to Jesus, he knelt, and then he asked Jesus how he could be righteous. And so in this culture in this context for a man of great um, authority and a man that was so established to run was a very um, uncommon thing. We talked about this a few weeks back when Pastor Jarrett talked about uh, the man that ran to his wayward son that came back. This was very uncommon for someone in a place of authority to run. I kind of like to think of it as like if you've only known somebody in a professional work context and then you see him wearing shorts in the gym and it just totally throws you off, you're like, this is not the normal thing that you would do. This is kind of what's going on. It's very uncommon for him to run. But then when he gets to Jesus, he knows that he's a teacher. And so he kneels so that he can listen to Jesus, the rabbi, the good teacher. And then after he does these things, he gets to him as fast as he can. He kneels down and he simply asks. And then he lets Jesus talk. We can learn from this. In our context, in our day-to-day, -day, we often don't run to Jesus. We kind of go to him when it's convenient. We don't leave everything and get to him as fast as we can because we have other things that we prioritize. We don't kneel before him and honor him. A lot of the times we go to him as an equal, and while he is our friend and he is um, our God, we should kneel before him as he is our good teacher. But then we should ask and then listen. Our approach to Jesus oftentimes is highlighting what we can do and then kind of asking Jesus to put his stamp of approval on it. I've heard it said many times that perceived need is the beginning of change. And so this man perceived that he did have a need in his life, that he wanted to ensure that he could have eternal life. And he knew that he needed answers about eternity, and he was even willing to ask what he could do to ensure that. Yet when it was time to listen, the disconnect in his life started. He wanted someone to support what he wanted to hear, but he didn't listen to the truth. And that's the next point if you're taking notes, is that we need to listen to the truth. We definitely need to look for righteousness to Jesus for that righteousness, not ourselves. And to be able to do that, we need to listen to the truth. And in our context, the day and age that we live in, uh, we're hearing a lot of things. And I want to dissect the difference between 
hearing and listening. We just came off the holiday season, um, and I asked my wife probably 47 times, what are our plans for the holidays? Like, where are we going? When are we going to your parents? What gift am I giving my brother-in-law that you already bought on Amazon and wrapped for me and I didn't do anything? And she told me, and I heard it, but I wasn't listening. There's a difference. A lot of the time we can hear what God has to say for us, but we don't listen to him. And at this point in the story, this rich young ruler hears what Jesus has to say. That it's more than just keeping a list of do's and don'ts. It's giving him your heart and following Jesus. And he didn't want to listen to that. I think today, um, oftentimes, we are so discipled by our cell phones. If you have a phone with you in your hand, maybe you're taking notes on it. Um, About an hour ago, you got a little thing that popped up that comes up usually every Sunday morning at around 9.20, 9.30 that says screen time report. And this is like a moment of truth for me every week. It's like, okay, was I good? Was I not good? How much YouTube did I watch? And uh, every week you can see how much time you've spent on this device that you choose to own that you choose to fill with apps that inform you on what's going on, and you listen to this. And your screen time report's probably a good indicator of what you're getting informed by and what you are listening to. And in the world that we live in, there's a lot of voices, a lot of people, a lot of things, a lot of authority figures that are going to contradict what Scripture says. And that's why we gather here today, is to hear the source of truth. That's why, as the picture shows up here, that we had a group of college students and high school seniors that traveled four hours away to go to Fort Worth for three days on the week that they get off from school and all other responsibilities, and they went to passion so that they could hear, so that they could listen to truth. And these are young men and women that every day are informed false truths, what the world has to say in the college classroom, at work, by their peers, by social media, And they cared enough to hear and to listen to the gospel truth that they'd take three three days off and to go and do that. But what I want you to know is that you don't have to just take a week off and go to passion once a year. That's why we gather here together. That's why we have worship corporately. That's why we have life groups. And as I get to work with our young adults, if you are not a part of a life group already, that is the best way to get plugged into the church. We have phenomenal leaders in every one of our classes. I've gotten to know them over the last four months, and these are men and women that love Jesus and love you and want to help you get connected here into the church so that you can hear truth and so that that truth can inform your life. Because again, what you're taking in is going to affect the way that your heart operates, the way you think, and eventually the way that you act. Luke 6.45 says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you spend time with somebody, you know what they really value. You know what their heart looks like because it comes out. You might be able to mask it for a little while. Maybe this last week you did when you went to the in-laws and you had it perfect for the whole week. But at some point, what is going on in your heart is going to come out into your life. And so this year, as we start a new year and we go into 2023, we as a church are passionate about informing people with the truth of God's word. 
We want you to not only hear it, but to listen to it. And so together, we are going to go into a Bible reading plan that's going to start one week from today on January the 8th. And so that phone that you have, that the screen time report embarrasses you every week maybe, we're going to redeem that screen time this year. And we're going to start off with this Bible reading plan. So first and foremost, you have to have the YouVersion Bible app. So if you don't have that, go ahead and download it. And then you can simply text the word Bible to 77069. And a week from today, we're going to start this year off in a Bible reading plan together as a church. And so we want to look for righteousness, look to Jesus for that source of righteousness. We want to listen to the truth. And then lastly, we want to live in faithfulness. It's good to look for righteousness. It's good to listen. But if these things don't make their way out into our daily life, we've missed the point. That's the thing is that this rich young ruler did everything on the outside and could recite to you the law and could keep all these things. But at the end of the day, when he had to follow Jesus, he couldn't do it. This means living differently than the world, radically different, not just a little bit on a Sunday morning or for the first part of the new year, but each and every day from now into eternity, we're going to live in faithfulness. And you see that this rich young ruler didn't and couldn't do that, but you see the next few verses, the disciples debriefing with Jesus. In verse 23, it says, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And so if you don't get this, anything else today, you need to understand that we have to give our life, our heart to God because we can't do this on our own. In verse 28, it says that Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. That they had nothing as far as earthly possessions and status and riches, but they followed Jesus. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in his, this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Faithfulness doesn't make sense to this world. These disciples who again had nothing, they were the least of these by every earthly standard, had everything because they left it all and followed Jesus. And the man that by all accounts in the world that we live in today had everything walked away sorrowful because he truly had nothing. Faithfulness that the Bible describes doesn't make sense to the world. And so we're called to live a life that looks different than the world. Following Jesus might look different, but it's the only thing that matters in eternity. Everything else is strictly temporary. Um, as I said before, it's, it's an honor 
of the highest degree to, to share this stage with you today, to open God's word today. Um, and again, thank you to Pastor Jarrett for the opportunity. And on top of that, um, today is really special for me uh, because my grandpa, Papa, uh, Joseph Cawthon, was the interim pastor here before Demon Shook uh, 45 years ago. And so today's pretty cool um, just to simply be with many of the same people. And as I was even walking through this this morning, I just thought about Papa, about Joseph Cawthon and a life of faithfulness. Uh, a man that by every stretch of the imagination had nothing. He was born into poverty. And he served in World War II on a destroyer in the Pacific, serving his country, got uh, back from his deployment, went through seminary, and spent his life preaching in churches and raising up the next generation of pastors and people in ministry. Um, and to see that is something that I have thought about from the moment I gave my life to the Lord and knew my papa to the, this day, because it's such a mark of faithfulness. And when he died, he didn't have much, but he left a legacy of faithfulness behind. He was faithful despite his circumstances, despite what he owned and possessed. And his faithfulness transcended generations, because I'm here today, 45 years later, with him as a hero in the faith to me, who walked before me, set the example, and walked in humility and faithfulness. And my heart for this church and our young adult ministry is that the young adults of this church would continue in faithfulness for the men and the women that have gone before us for generations, for 50 years, some of you in this room. My hope and my prayer is that that would continue, that we would see your faithfulness and that we would model that as well as a group of young adults and young families. And so this year, as we're starting it off, um, I hope that your goals are lofty. I hope that you are excited about this year and the new opportunities that it holds. But my prayer for you is that this wouldn't revolve around your ability. My prayer is that it wouldn't revolve around um, strictly the actions that you do on the outside, your ability to do right and avoid wrong, is that you would be faithful to the Lord because you look to him as the source of our righteousness, you listen to him, to the truth, and so that you follow him in your every day. Um, and so like I said, I, I grew up in um, Beaumont, which is not Houston, right? I grew up in Beaumont, um, and at an early age, I, was, uh, I gave my life to the Lord. I remember exactly where I was. I got to kneel down uh, at the, the bedside uh, with my dad, and he walked me through what it means to be a follower of Christ. And that's one of my earliest memories, but I remember it clear as day. And so as I grew up, I got to see my grandpa pastor, I got to see my dad pastor, and I got to see what it looked like to be in ministry. And despite all the good and the bad that comes with working in a church, I knew without a shadow of doubt that I was called to this, that the Lord had called me to ministry and that um, I was to answer that call because we need men and women to answer the call of ministry. But around the age of 17, um, I had been playing football for a long time, um, and football started to really become my number one thing. And what happened was that God and his authority in my life, I put in the second seat and put football in the first. 
And so going into my senior season, the spring training of our junior year, um, I was being recruited by a few schools. I really, really, really wanted to go play for Air Force. And so with that, as you know, you play for them for a few years, and then you serve your country through them. And so at that point, I had made up my mind that that was my new plan. And I didn't proclaim it to the world, but I knew in my heart and in my mind that if this were to happen, that I would maybe just get back to ministry later when it was convenient for me. But I wanted to do what was going to fulfill me. And I was going to hold on to this because this is something that I did myself and that I earned and that I worked hard for and that I could show everyone. I didn't need anything or anyone else. I achieved this. And so the last day of the last week of our spring training was at the very end of practice and we were introducing new plays and so I'm playing offensive line and I blocked this guy and my best friend, still to this day, but my best friend across uh, the other side of the ball, he's playing linebacker, the play starts, he comes around, tackles our running back and I'm blocking this guy um, and he falls into my left leg and snaps my tibia and my fibula. Um, And I remember exactly where I was on the dirt, dusty uh, weeds and everything of the practice fields. And I remember before I hit the ground, my whole plan is over. I didn't know what it was or how bad it was, but I knew it was bad. And I realized before I even hit the ground that everything that I had built for myself, everything that I thought I was capable of doing and fulfilling on my own and under my own power was gone. And that entire summer between the end of junior year and the start of senior year, God was knocking on the door of my heart. And he, I believe that he loved me enough to give me a taste of what life looks like when you hold on to what you're capable of and your own possessions instead of him. And that entire summer where I was stuck on the couch I remember walking across the living room, learning how to walk again. Literally, my parents standing on the other side of the living room like I was a toddler, waiting to catch me if I fell. And that summer, more than a physical brokenness, a spiritual brokenness happened that I needed desperately. And that summer, while God was getting my attention, there was a a man by the name of Scott Odom that came in to be our student pastor that for the next year before I graduated and went to college, discipled me and loved me and cared for me and showed me that a life with Jesus is so much better than a life where I'm at the center of everything. And so Matthew... Matthew 6.21, I want to leave you with this before we continue in worship. Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a simple passage, a simple scripture that many of you have known for a really long time. Something as elementary as where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And my heart was far from God because I put something else in that number one position of my life. And so did the rich young ruler. And my request of you today is that as you start a new year with lots of new opportunities, with lots of sleep tonight, with no fireworks, and the world is ahead of you, is that you would not walk away today sorrowful like the rich young ruler. My prayer for you is that you would walk away maybe leaving something behind today that you've been clinging on to. 
but that you would walk away in the freedom of Christ. The freedom that comes with walking in faithfulness and trusting him, even when it doesn't make sense to the world or to your family, or to the people at your work or wherever you go every day, that you would walk away today trusting in Jesus as your Savior. And so we're going to sing in just a second, but I'm going to pray over you um, right now. And as I pray over you, I would just ask that you think about your life and think about that thing maybe that you're walking into 2023 with that you need to let go. And the reality is it might feel like you've had your grip around that thing, your ability, your job, your money, your whatever it is. But the reality is that thing has a grip on you. And so in just a second, we're going to have ministers here at the front that you can meet with, that if you need to truly give your life to Jesus for the first time, they can talk to you about that. If you need to be obedient in believer's baptism, that you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never taken that first step of obedience, you can talk to them about how you can do that. Maybe you've been here for a long time and you've been kicking the tires, but you haven't joined the church. You're not in a life group. You can come down here and ask about our new member class and how to become a member of Champion Forest. So let's pray together. And as we pray, I want you to think about that thing and then think about how good the Lord is and how he is better than that. God, we love Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.